last week. Uh, we're going to start this series on healing. We're going to do four weeks on healing. And uh, I forgot to put a title slide up there. So the title of this one is God's Healing Promises. So today, last week, we looked at the idea of where did sickness come from? Is this something, is sickness uh, a tool used by God or is it what it actually is? Uh, a tool used by the devil, because the devil is the author of sickness. Before the fall, before Satan got into the picture, there was no death, there was no sickness. And then when he uh, reared his ugly head in there, stuck his nose where it didn't belong, then all of a sudden we have this stuff in our lives that has to be dealt with. So sickness is a reality, and it's part of this world, this fallen world, people have it. But what we have to understand as Christians is what is our relationship to it? What does the Bible say? More specifically today, we're going to look at what does the Bible say about healing and what are God's promises concerning healing. And now this is real important to look for the scripture for stuff like this, wouldn't you agree? Because God's word is truth. And this is what he says in Jeremiah 1.12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, that's an incredible promise, because God says that I'm watching over my word. What he's basically saying is, if I said it, I'm going to do it. And I'm watching over areas where I can perform my word in your life. And if he has a promise concerning healing, then God is watching over his word to perform it in your life. Amen? And we live in a society today, especially with what's been going on with Obamacare, you know, universal health care, everybody's got everything, which it's not working out as well as they had hoped, I don't, I don't uh, think. But we live in a society now where everyone's got health care and everyone's going to be okay and we can just trust in the government. What is that, the, uh, uh, I forget how many of the seven scariest words, we're the government and we're here to help. So, uh, but we live in a society where people think that, that you know, our health care system is going to fix everything. And then we're automatically going to be healthy just because we live in the United States, which obviously isn't true. We're probably one of the most unhealthy bunch of people in the, in the world right now. There's actually a study that has shown that Americans are living longer today than they ever have, which you think is good news, right? But we're living sicker than we ever had either. So we're living longer, but we're living sick for that length of time. Another, uh, in 2007, we found that heart disease was the leading death cause of death in the U.S. at 25%. And cancer was the second leading cause of death, which was 23%. So almost 50% of death in the U.S. is caused by disease and sickness. The truth is, is that healing is desperately needed in this world. And any of you that uh, have been touched by the hand of God, you understand that because the doctor, there's been many cases the doctors have said, there's nothing that we can do. And God says, I'm watching over my word, ready to perform it in your life. And miracles, I know we have walking miracles in this room. And healing is desperately needed in this country. And in truth, healing is desperately needed in this entire world as well. And I thank God that, that God has made provision for that in every believer's life. So the first thing that we have to understand as we start into this, this process of learning about God's healing is that we have to understand that God actually cares for us, that he loves us and he cares about us. And this is kind of an easy one to walk yourself through if you're having trouble believing this. In 1 Peter 5.7, it says, Casting all your anxieties on him, speaking of God, it says, Because he cares for you. The scripture flat out says that God cares for us. But if that's not enough for it, for you, you can actually look at different evidences that God cares for us as well. 
So how, do you, how can you tell when people care for you? There's a few things that you notice. If somebody actually cares for you, you have a relationship, right? They listen to you. You get to talk to them. They talk to you. And uh, in Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So one of the things that if you have a relationship with somebody and they care about you is they actually tell you stuff. And you've known that in your own life. If you had a relationship with somebody and you realize that after some time that they never confide in you, they never talk to you, they don't do anything, you can, you can actually begin to question, what kind of relationship is this actually? Do you really care about me? You don't even trust me enough to tell me anything. But the truth is, is God will speak to you. He will tell you things. As a matter of fact, it says, he says, I will tell you hidden things that you have not known. God will reveal the plans and secrets of his heart to you if you will spend time with him. I know that every time that I spend time in the word, I read through his word, he reveals to me stuff that I'd, I've read the same things over and over, and I have new stuff revealed to me every time I read a scripture, stuff that I have not known before, and I, I get revelation of it. And God is, is, speaks to me quite regularly through his word primarily. And he speaks to me. I've never heard the voice of God audibly. I've known people that have. I've never personally heard the voice of God audibly. audibly. But he still speaks to me in my own voice all the time. I hear him all the time. My problem has never been that I can't hear God. My problem is I don't listen to him all the time. The next thing that we know. <laughs> you, t- you talking about me or you? <laughs> Something else that we know about people that care about us is they listen to us. That's what the number one thing. If people won't listen to you, you begin to question if they care about you at all. I know if, if, if me and my wife, if I was talking to her and she always ignored me and she never listened to me, I'd begin to question what's going on in our relationship. In Psalm 116, 1 through 2, it says, The psalmist wrote, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Isn't it amazing that God inclines his ear to us? That he is our Lord and our Savior, but he also calls us his friend? Now, I don't know, but that blows my mind. This is God who's higher than anything that we can imagine. And he says that I'm his friend. And one of the dangers you can have is just considering him your friend. He's still your Lord, but he's also your friend. And he, inclined, he listens to you when we talk to him. He hears us. And the scripture says that we, we know that he hears us. And he answers our prayers. And, and God cares about you. God cares about me. And not just collectively. He cares about you individually. And he loves you. You see, someone that cares about you wants to spend time with you. Someone who cares about you wants to, to be able to have a relationship with you. And someone that really loves you and that really cares for you will do anything to have that relationship. I mean, you hear, well, the greatest love stories of all time is about people giving up their life and traveling to another city to be with the person that they love. You know, and that's as big, people will sacrifice great things to be with people that they love. God made the greatest sacrifice of all to be in a relationship with us. Before he sent his son, we couldn't be in a relationship with him because we were, we were broken, we were unholy, we were unrighteous, and, and we can't have fellowship. Darkness can't have fellowship with the light, but he sent his son, he gave up his very own life that we could be made whole to demonstrate how much that he loves and he cares about us. And people that care about you, they want the best for you. I know with my kids, I want the very best for them. 
So I put rules in place, and they have guidelines they have to follow, and they may not always like them. They may think that I'm trying to just steal their fun and make their life a little bit tougher, but the truth is we put these things in place because we care about them and we want them to be safe. And we want them to grow up and be responsible and, and to be the, the, the men and women, that, the, the best men and women that they can be. And God does the same thing for us. He cares about us and he's put guidelines in place. And he says, thou shall not steal, not because he doesn't want you to have stuff. And he says, thou shall not covet. He gives us these guidelines, and these commandments. You just should not commit adultery. It's, it's because he doesn't want you to, to you know, these, these things aren't in place so that, that we don't have fun. Which is what many people, people that are unbelieved particularly think that he's just he's trying to steal their fun. But he does it to keep them safe. Especially if you've lived for a while, you realize that all that stuff wasn't quite as fun as you thought it was and it just caused a bunch of mess in your life. And then a person that, is, that cares for you will actually discipline you if necessary. You know, one of the first acts of discipline that we see God created is he kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, which seems pretty harsh, but he did it to protect them, to make sure they weren't stuck the way that they were. And the reality is, is that God is so patient with us. He's so, Psalm 103 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He's patient with us. He doesn't get a slow to anger with us. He doesn't get angry. He, he gives us time. Because he loves us. The first thing to understand when we get into any of God's promises for us, particularly the other thing, is that we have to really get it into our spirit that God cares about us and that God loves us. And not just so like, you know, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, kind of in your head thing, but you need to know it in your heart that he loves you because that will change your outlook on everything that happens in your life. If you understand that God loves you, the, the, the little things and even the big things that happen in your life, though they may hurt, though they may be hard, don't have the same impact that they did before when you recognize that God loves you. I'll be honest, I've seen moments in my life that God has moved, that he has shown his love, especially when I was growing up where I wasn't returning any love, I wasn't returning anything and God has moved in my life I can see God's hand in my life all growing up even though there were many a times that my eyes definitely weren't weren't placed on God I was doing all kinds of foolish stuff and things could have turned out a whole lot worse but God stepped in I, I really believe that God was was moving so that I could still accomplish what he had called for me to accomplish And he wants to carry our burdens. To, for us to cast all of our anxiety on, on him. Cast all your anxieties, all your fears, all your worries. And to trust him for everything. The Lord also gives us strength. In Psalms 29.11 it says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And in Isaiah 40.29 through 31, it says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, God gives us strength to overcome and walk through all kinds of storms of life. 
And this could be sickness, which we're specifically dealing with today, but it's not just that. It's financial stuff, persecution, anything that you're going through in your life. God will give us strength to overcome and step out of the other side. The reality is is that being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to face all these things. You're going to face all kinds of nonsense because we live in a fallen world with fallen stuff happening around us, but God will give you strength to get through whatever is coming your way. And it says, may the Lord give strength to his people, and may the Lord bless people with peace. You know, peace is the result of victory. We have peace because we are victorious in all these things. But the reality is, too, is not only is peace a result of victory, peace is the result of the, the, the reality of future victory, the confidence that we will have victory. If you're going through a struggle knowing that you will be victorious, ultimately, and get out the other side, that will give you a sense of peace like you can't imagine. You know that peace that surpasses all understanding because it doesn't make sense. People look at your life and say, how can you be at peace? How can you still have joy when you're going through what you're going through? You know, because I know God is with me. And that gives you peace. And then here in Isaiah, what's happening when he begins to, to, to say this stuff is that the Jews were complaining to God like he didn't know what their problems were. And actually in verse 28, where his reply starts, Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. They're complaining like, God, don't you know what's going on? Can't you see what's going on? He says, do you not know? I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm glad God's never answered me like that. It's like when God answered Job, like, were you there when I created the earth? Like, because there's been times I've complained to God and he's been patient with me. But I mean, that's, he's like, hey, numbskull, have you not, have you not known? Don't you know, I, I know everything, I see everything, that I am with you. Haven't I already told you that I'm with you? Haven't I already told you that I love you? Why are you complaining? Sometimes the road looks impossible. And sometimes what we face seems so overwhelming. And we say, God, don't you see what I'm dealing with? And he says, yeah, I see. And I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And he says that I'm with you and I'm going to give power to the faint. And him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I just recently, as you guys know, a few weeks back, I asked you to pray for me because I said I was tired. And uh, I, I read that quote that, that kind of reminded me to put my eyes back on the Lord, and the truth is nothing's changed. I'm still doing just as much as I ever was, if not more, but I'm not, I'm not weary. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still tired sometimes, but I'm not weary. I'm not that, that internal exhaustion that says you can't do anymore because the Lord has lifted me back up. And it's by His strength I can move on. I see that in my own life, and I'm, I'm not something special. He'll do the same thing for, for you guys that He's done for me. He says that, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, this word wait is not how we think about it today either. Like some of us are like, oh, it says if I wait for the Lord, man, things are going rough. I'm waiting on the Lord. That's... (laughs) 
That's not what he means to just sit down there and do nothing. He means to put your trust in him to begin to, sometimes you have to step out of the boat. Wait on the Lord means to, more, more, it's, it's like when you go into a restaurant and it's the wait staff. It's because they're serving you. And it's when we serve the Lord that God is there with us. So that you will mount up with wings like eagles. And you shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and not faint. You know, this isn't like Red, Red Bull. You've seen the commercials. Red Bull gives you wings. A little cartoon guy that flies off. Even if Red Bull helps for a little bit, it's a time thing. But when you're with God, God will give you wings. And it doesn't wear off. You don't have to buy it in a can. You just put your trust in Him. Amen? Exodus 15.26 says, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. In Exodus 23.25-26 says, you shall serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from among you and none shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, the first thing when we look at this is, it says, I will, if you keep all statues, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord your God, your healer. The first thing we can read into that, if we're not careful, is that, well, if we don't keep his commandments, then he will put the diseases on us. I want you to know that, first off, we have to understand this is pre-Jesus. When you read the, the Old Testament, you have to realize that we read it in light of the New Testament. The New Testament should, should guide and focus what we receive from the Old Testament, what's going on. It should, it should direct our vision and actually what's actually going on. And before Jesus, before all this sickness, all the disease, all the judgment was placed in him, people were responsible for their own actions. After Jesus, he died for all of He died for all of that, all that judgment, all that sickness. Every time that we disobeyed and there was a judgment that was incurred for that because the wages of sin is death, make no mistake, there was still a judgment that had to be dealt with. Jesus took that upon himself. So that's the first thing we have to understand. So the judgment is taken care of. It says, you do what is right in the eyes and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. I will, I will put none of the disease on you that I put on the Egyptians for I'm the Lord your healer. So that's good. We, we honor him and we realize that God is our healer. He will take care of all that stuff. But then it goes on to say, You shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. We realize that, that judgment has been put on Jesus, but blessing still comes to those who obey his commandments. I think most of the stuff that, that we deal with in our lives is, is not some sort of punishment from God. It's because we remove ourselves from the blessing of God because we, we put ourselves in a position that he can't bless us, that he can't work in our lives. And you say, that's, that's crazy, Pastor. When you think that you can make God be powerless in your life, say, yeah, I, I believe that we can. We saw with Jesus when he went to his hometown, they didn't have any faith, they didn't believe, and Jesus was powerless to do any miracles there. When we don't trust God, we don't put our faith in Him, when we're disobedient to Him, we actually limit His ability to work in our lives, and that includes personal healing. But if we will diligently listen to His voice, if we'll obey His commandments, His blessing will be poured on our lives like you've never seen before. And for the Jews, it was a set of commandments that they had to follow. There was the list, you know, the law, what these things that you have to do. And that's the, the rules that you had to follow for blessing in your life. But for the believers, it's a little bit different because we're part of a, of a new covenant. For us, it is to be in Christ. 
for us, that, that is our commandment, to love one another, to be in Christ, to be, to be in Him and Him in us. It's funny that if you let Christ live through you and you'll, you'll be in Christ and let Him live through you, it's funny how instead of focusing on the laundry list of things that you have to do to make God happy, that you just live that life. Naturally, as Christ lives through you, you live the life that God wants you to live. And it's not about a set of rules. It's about being in a relationship with Him and letting Him live through you. And when we let Him live through us, we'll begin to see blessing pour out on our lives. we begin to see Him move in our lives and touching our lives in ways we never could have imagined. He says that there will be no sickness, and I will fulfill the number of your days. It means that you're going to live the days that He's called you to live. It means it will make sure that you are here to accomplish the purpose that you're called to. You say, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Well, there's people, hopefully we're going to have, um, oh, what's the guy's name that, that died? I forget his name. Uh, Dean Braxton. Hopefully we're going to have him come out and visit us here within the next year or so. But he's one that died and went to heaven, was dead for four and a half hours. It is documented that he was dead for four and a half hours. Now, I don't know if you understand how that works, but if your brain has no oxygen, it's not functioning for something like 10 minutes, you're brain dead when you come back. Four and a half hours is unheard of. The dude was dead. But he came back to life. This is medically documented. He said he went to heaven. He saw God. God sent him back. God says, no, I'm going to fulfill the number of your days. You've got work to do. You've got stuff to do. Which, that's kind of, and I, I think if you talk to him, there's, there's a, 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 a little bit of sadness in that because I tell you what, when you get to heaven and you see what's going on there, you probably don't really want to come back. But God will fulfill the number of your days if you'll trust and put in your faith in him. And the reality is this reveals God's heart. It reveals what God's heart is towards us, is that we would be whole, that we would be blessed, that we would not have sickness. That we not have, this is what God wants for us. Just like we want for our kids the best for them, we don't want our kids. This is what God wants for us. Amen? Jeremiah 30, 17, it says, For I will restore health to you in your wounds. I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. This is another one of the Jews are having a tough time. They've been rebellious towards God, they're, and they're bearing the fruit of that. They've been rebellious, they're bearing the fruit of that. And it says they've been, they're, at this point, they've been oppressed by the Assyrians. They've been in captivity with the Babylonians. And we're seeing some false prophets come along early in Jeremiah to kind of bring this, this, this superficial peace. It's not real peace. It's just kind of on the surface. It looks like things are good. And, and this, is, this word is, is given to Jeremiah in a dream, and it's speaking of restoration through the Messiah. Matter of fact, if you go back to Jeremiah 30, verse 9, it says this, But they shall serve the Lord, their God, and David, their king, whom I will raise up for them. And that the, many theologians believe that David, their king, actually refers to the Messiah. And he says, through the Messiah, he says, I will restore health to you and your wounds, and I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. He says, I will restore health to you. One of God's promises to us in Jesus, in the Messiah, is, is health restored to us. We are going to be restored, restored physically and spiritually through Jesus. Now, I thank God that we are restored spiritually, because that's actually the most important thing, to be honest with you. I would be okay with living sick and broken the rest of my life if I get to spend eternity with Jesus. But I thank God that not only one day we get to go to heaven, but God wants us to have a little bit of heaven right now here on earth. He doesn't want for us to be living sick and broken. Psalms 103, 3-5, it says, 
speaking of, of God, it says, who forgives all your inequity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. There's that promise again. One, he forgives all your iniquity. I want you to know right now that in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. All of your sins, all of your failures, all of that stuff that, that for some reason you might have in the back of your head that, you know, God, I know God loves me and I, I know he, he wants the best for me, but I've probably got to deal with these things. I want you to, they were paid for in Jesus. You've got to stop thinking that somehow you've got to pay for those yourselves for two reasons. One, it's already been paid for in Jesus, so it doesn't make sense that you would pay for it again. And two, even if you had to, there's no way that you can pay for it yourself. You're going you're gonna to fail. There's nothing that you can do to appease that. Thank God he sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven, that we could be restored. And then it says, who heals all of your diseases. In, in him, we've been made whole. He heals everything that we're going to look at in a few seconds. By his stripes, we've been made whole. It says he redeems your life from the pit. You know, you were dead in your sins before Jesus, but after him you've been given a brand new life, that you're living again. You were in a, a pit of despair. You had no hope. There was no way out. You couldn't see over the top. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. But in Jesus, you've been redeemed from that pit. And it says, and he crowned you with steadfast love and mercy. You know, his love is unending towards us. And his mercies are new every morning. And then he goes on to say, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I realize this, this specifically is referring to the nation of Israel, but I believe that God's not a respecter of persons. And promises he made to Israel, those, those promises uh, that, are, that are like that are, are just as valid for us today. Paul says that I'm no respecter of persons, that he's no respecter of persons. And his will towards them, that they, that they would have a future and a hope and not plans for, for, for anything evil, that, that's, that extends to us as well. Amen? In Proverbs 4, 20-22, it says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. You know, this is instructions from a son, from a father to a son. He says, Son, be attentive to my words, and in your, incline your ear to my sayings. And the reality is, is just like a father would speak into a son's life and he wants a son to listen and hear, this is, this is God's word saying, listen to my, to my word. God, as God speaks to us, he says, incline your ear and listen. Because he says that, let them not escape from your sight or keep, and keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. God's word is life to those who find them. This is why we want to share the gospel with people. Because his word is life to them, just as it is to us. And he says, let them not escape from your sight and keep them within your heart. In Joshua 1.8 it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according all that is written in it. But then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That word there in Joshua 1.8 where it says you should meditate on it, it's not like Eastern meditation. Or not like when they do yoga and they say clear your mind. That's actually a bad idea. Never, never clear your mind. When you empty your mind, you leave it empty for all kinds of stupid stuff to get in there. Instead, fill your mind with the Word of God. 
And he says to meditate on it. Actually, the word there means more like to mumble. It means to, to repeat the word of God out loud, to say the word of God out loud, specifically in healing. If you're having difficulty in healing, begin to write down the promises of God. When you get up in the morning, read those scriptures aloud. When, when, when the world is telling you that, no, you, you got something going on, it can't, this is uncurable. Begin to read those scriptures. When you begin, anytime those, the stuff comes up against you in your life that's contrary to the word of God, when the world is telling you something else, begin to meditate on the word of God. Begin to speak the word of God to those things. Amen? In his word, we find life. In God's word, we find that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's where we... That's where this is so, when we read this, it's, it's so poignant and so true. It says those words, God's words, are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Amen? And then in Isaiah 53, 4-5, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem Him stricken, smitten, by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. This is actually quoted by Peter in First Peter two twenty one. He says, "He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." Now these scriptures here specifically refer to spiritual healing. By his stripes, we have been healed. And, and I, I realize that physical healing is not demanded by the text. It's a speci- specifically referring to an Isaiah. It's actually referring to the nation of Israel. It's referring to healing of a nation. And, in, and here, uh, Peter interpreted to be healing of all of us spiritually as well. But the reality is, is that Christ, I believe that this, this refers to physical healing just as well as spiritual healing. And Christ died for our sins to make us, to restore us to the position that Adam had. How many agree with that? Christ died that we would be restored to the same position that Adam had with God. And before, before the fall, there was no, there was no uh, sickness, there was no death, there was none of that stuff. We've been restored to that same place that Adam had. That was the whole point, to make us like Adam, that we were just in fellowship with God, with no past, no history, no failures, just like Adam was created We were restored to that same thing with his life inside of Christ's life inside of us. And because of that, he was, Christ was broken so that we wouldn't have to be broken anymore. And that's both spiritually and physically. And I believe that this doesn't just refer to spiritual healing. I believe it refers to physical healing. And the good news is, is that you don't have to take my word for it because I'm not the only one that thinks that. And I don't even mean other theologians. It's written in the scripture. In Matthew eight sixteen through seventeen, it says that evening. How I many you know you should you should always, whenever possible, interpret scripture with scripture. And this makes it real easy for me. So Matthew eight sixteen through seventeen says that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our disease. Now, a lot of people have argued saying, no, that's just spiritual healing. That's just referring to the nation of Israel. But they're going to have to argue with Matthew because Matthew thought, thought different. And I believe that he wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit, which all of you should because the, the, the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. And Matthew said that he cast out the spirits with the Word and he healed all who were sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our disease. 
So if anybody ever wants to tell you that no, that doesn't mean physical healing, write this one down. And look it up and show them. Well, Matthew says it does. I'm going to go ahead and trust him. The reality is, is that Christ died to make us whole. And not just spiritually, but physically as well. To take away all of our sickness. all Because God intended us to live whole. God doesn't want you to live broken and hurting and in pain. He wants you to live whole. And he intended us to live that way. And the greatest thing that I love about Jesus, because the scripture says that Jesus only saw, only did what he saw the Father doing. So we know that if Jesus did it, it's the will of the Father. Because that's all Jesus did was the will of the Father. And not once, not even one time in the scripture, when people came to Jesus to be healed, did he lay out a list of requirements. You have to live this good for this long. You have to do these things. He just healed them. You know what the only requirement for healing was with Jesus? Come to him. That was the only requirement you ever saw. He healed everybody that came to him. Amen? Amen. If you will come to Jesus, he will heal you. That's part of salvation. That's a promise of God that is yours. In James, and I'm going to try to move faster here, in James 5, 14 through 15, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray for them. If anybody's sick, that's the first thing. When I, at the end of the, at the, end of the, the message, when I say, if anybody would like prayer, come up and, and pray. If you're sick, you should come get prayer, prayed for even if you don't think it's bad enough to bother God with. God does, is not going to be bothered. If you've got a headache, if you've got a, a sore muscle, or if you've got something, come and get prayed for. It says if, you lay, the, if you're sick, call on the elders of the church to lay hands on you. And then it says, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is another one, this, this uh, uh, anointing with oil. This, many theologians believe this isn't even a religious thing. It, this was a medical thing. Back in, particularly in those days, oil was used to cure everything. Matter of fact, it reminds me of Mel Luca. My wife, my wife likes to smell Luca stuff, and they want to put their Mel Luca oil on everything. You got a burn, put oil on it. You got a, you got a, a, a sore muscle, put oil on it. I mean, that's they're like going back to the old days. But that was they they put oil on stuff. That was like their Tylenol. So he says, lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil. So that's one thing that that I believe personally that that when if you're sick, you got a headache, take a Tylenol. Not a big deal. If you got something wrong, go to the doctor. Not a big deal. The problem is not going to the doctor. The problem is putting all your trust in the doctor. The problem is putting all your trust in the medicine. I believe that God created intelligent people that live on this earth. They created all kinds of medical advancements that we should take advantage of. God put these people there to design this stuff. Use it. The problem is, is when your trust is only in that. Instead, put your trust in God. Believe that God will use the surgeons to do what they need to do. Use the doctors to diagnose what they need to diagnose. The medicine to do what God intended it to do. But put your trust in Him. It says here, pray over them and anoint them with oil. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. That's the next important thing is you kind of got to believe. You got to trust God. It's not a going through the motions thing, but instead put your full hope and trust in Him that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. The scripture says without faith it is impossible to please God. But when we have faith, God does amazing things in our life. Amen? 
And Mark 16, 17 through 18, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They drink any deadly poison and will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick. And sometimes they'll recover. Is that what it says? No, it says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's not, a, it's not an optional thing. If we lay hands on the sick and we have a prayer of faith and they put their faith in God, they're going to recover. I don't, some people call me crazy because I, I look at the Word of God and I take it for what it is. But that's what the Scripture says. You lay hands on the sick, they will recover. The prayer of faith will heal all sicknesses. If we trust God, Man, I, I think if we would just take God at his word, we would just be amazed what would be accomplished in our life. If we would just take a moment and stop letting other influence influences uh, distort our view and, and, and pull us in different directions. You know what? Just like little kids, take God at his word. We would see amazing things happen in our lives. It's simple. It says you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Be crazy enough. Be dumb enough. Be not, whatever you want to look at it to just believe God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Amen? And the thing is, I've seen this stuff, this stuff happen. I've seen walking miracles. I and mean, we have some in this room. We have a Tom back here who had cancer, and they said that there was nothing they could do. And, and Mar just praying. She tells me, I was praying in the Spirit. I was praying with my regular voice. And two women showed up and began moving him around. And she's like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden he woke up, and, it, and they left the room. They never saw him again. But she was just crazy enough to pray that regardless of what the doctor said, she said, no, I'm not standing for that. I'm going to believe God for something different. And a couple of angels showed up and touched him. And a miracle happened. I know George has been in, in, the, in the hospital. He had a, there was one time he had a, what, a kidney infection. And, and we went to visit him. Hospital Joseph went to visit him. They laid hands on him. And the next day, something that should have took days in antibiotics to recover was just gone the next day. Because we're just crazy enough to believe that God would heal him. And that's not the only, I've seen it so many times. Personally, I've laid hands on people and see moons in it together. I've seen people with cancer, uncurable cancer, that is so bad that the doctor said there's nothing that we can do to be completely removed. People with hepatitis C have it, that's the uncurable one, completely removed. And they say, we know you had it because we can see the antibodies, but you don't have it anymore. I've seen people that had AIDS no longer have AIDS anymore. When I was a kid, there was a, a big biker that I used to uh, go to our church. His name was just like you would think, massive man, called him tiny, big biker. And he, because of all the drugs he did, he got AIDS. God completely healed him of AIDS. I've seen God do miraculous things because people were just crazy enough to say, you know what, God said it, so I'm going to believe it. Pastor Mike, when he was, uh, I don't know how old he was, but uh, obviously you've came and you've heard him speak here. Most of you guys have heard him speak. He can talk just fine. One time he was at a pool party and he saw a glass of water, and he went to go take a drink, and it turns out it was uh, uh, hydrochloric acid used for pool maintenance. And he, he, he was drinking, and he noticed while he was drinking, something wasn't right, and then it began to burn, and, and he, he swallowed acid. And they sent him to the hospital, and they began to pray for him, they began to lay hands on him, and pray to him in other tongues in the Spirit, and, and, and as you know today, he can speak just fine. Vocal cords don't do well with acid, in case you're curious. But God touched his life. It says, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. It says here that they will pick up serpents with their hands. Remember, Paul reached into the, into the woodpile, got bit by a snake, and they all assumed that he was a criminal who was going to die because you know, he, he survived the shipwreck, but God was you know, taking, care of, making sure, taking care of business. 
And he gets bit by this, what apparently was an extremely poisonous snake, because they assumed he was going to be dead right away, and nothing happened. Because we know that Paul was crazy enough to believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen? In in Mark 11, 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. It doesn't say that if you believe that you've received it, it will up the chances. It doesn't say that it's going to, you know, it was a 25% chance, but if you really believe, you know, you got a 60% chance. It says that if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Let's be crazy enough to believe that the Bible is true, amen? Believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And this includes any mental healing, physical healing, any kind of healing. Believe this. The only thing that the, the prayers that God's aren't going to answer are the ones that aren't according to His will. So if, no matter how much you believe it, if you pray for your neighbor's wife, that's not going to happen. But if you believe stuff that is according to God's will, and healing is, believe that you've received it, and you will receive it. Amen? And we'll end here. In 1 John 3.8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The very purpose of Jesus Christ on this earth was to destroy the works of the devil. And I want you to know this sickness. We looked at last week, the devil is the author of sickness. Sickness and disease is one of his tools. And he sent his son to deal with it so that we wouldn't have to. Amen? We are loosed from sickness. It has no power in our lives. It has no authority in our lives. And we can stand against it in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And the reality is, is death is the final enemy that is going to be laid under the footstool of Jesus. And one day, we're going to be in heaven, and there's no sickness, there's no tears, there's no crying. But the only thing left on earth to be completely dealt with is death. Physical death. Spiritual death has been dealt with, right? Jesus Christ gave us a new spirit inside of us. We are alive, spiritually. But physical death is the last thing to be dealt with. But not physical healing. That's been dealt with. It's been done with. By His stripes, we are healed. So I would encourage you, as we looked at the promises of God regarding healing, let's, be, let's just be crazy enough to believe His Word, that what He said is what He will do. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet.